Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Oh, Penn State fans, I hope you enjoyed your bye week. No Nittany Lions football uh, last Saturday. The Blue White Breakdown podcast, though, is back for Illinois week. Homecoming, I'm Bob Flounders. Joined by David Jones, the first of two podcasts we're going to do. And uh, Dave, as you might expect, there were a lot of quarterback questions thrown at James Franklin uh, at his Tuesday news conference. He had some, actually, I thought some interesting answers and some stuff we could kind of read between the lines on. Sean Clifford's not taking any reps in practice this week. So I think we pretty much know his status for the uh, Illinois game. Yeah. Well, I mean, what did you come away with? With uh, Christian Veyu, a kid from Ontario, is suddenly getting almost equal reps. Is that what I heard? Or equal reps? Splitting reps. With, well, what does that uh, tell you? T- that, yeah, it, it tells you a lot. And if, I think even you could tell uh, when, during the Iowa game that <laughs> Roberson was not ready to play. And, you can, and the crowd certainly, certainly hampered him. He is a very soft-spoken kid, but... Dave, right after those three consecutive false starts, I was just looking around in the press box going, man, I don't know if this guy is going to be playing a lot of quarterback for Penn State moving forward if Clifford can't go because, you know, they got a lot of tough games on the second half of the schedule. It sure sounds like Clifford is dealing with something significant. And if you're James Franklin and the staff, what do you do? I mean, do you, do you if, it, if the, it's like he said, if the competition is close, and this kid's in his third year, and Veyu's only been here since January. If it's pretty close, what does that tell you? And I think they're, they're making a determination uh, either later today or maybe Wednesday about do they want to look at the big picture uh, or do they want to try and piece together some kind of offense that they think Roberson might be able to function in. And I know it may not show up too much against Illinois, but it's going to show up in a hurry uh, later this second half of the year if, if Clifford can't go. Yeah, they have to determine two things. Uh, I, I think they, 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 they believe they could probably get Roberson ready with some sort of spread option where, where he's got dual threat capabilities. He's pretty good running through the A-gap on keepers. I mean, he, he looked good. That was the only thing he looked good at doing in um, Iowa City. Uh, but do you want to devote that time if you think Clifford can a get back for Ohio State or b get back at all for meaningful games uh, after that? You got to be cutting your losses at some point here and, and trying to get to ten and two. I mean, after Ohio State, they've yeah. got at Maryland, and then the next big game is Michigan, which is. You know, that's that's still a legitimate game that people want to see them win. And it's an important game. Michigan's undefeated and might still be undefeated at that point. So it's it's a worthy goal. And I think with this defense, uh, it's still a winnable game, even with a backup quarterback, a normal backup quarterback. But you're going to need Sean Clifford to win that game. Do you, you would agree to that, right? 
100 percent, Dave. So, so you have to judge when is when is Clifford going to be back, and and what do we do as a stopgap measure until? And if if the answer is a month, then you got big problems because you you then you have to then you're talking about value or who whoever you think you can can go to in the long haul, and that's a totally different question than uh, if you're if you're just trying to beat Illinois. The worst team in the league, legitimately the worst team in the league now, uh, my preseason prediction of them third in the West, notwithstanding. Did you hear what happened with Bielema, by the way, yesterday? He went off on his whole team yesterday and even was drawing uh, admonishments from some of the, uh, the, the old Illinois players who are now in the NFL saying it was not a good look. He went off on basically everybody on offense saying the, the, especially the offensive linemen they have uh, who were recruited by the prior regime. It yeah. sounded like a, a way to say, look, these are somebody else's guys, <laughs> not my guys. Hot potato. Because, because the heat's on him now because they, they've looked so horrible the last three or four weeks. Yeah. And he said that we just aren't getting anything toward building this program from the, from the offensive linemen who are already here. And we haven't had any contribution at quarterback, uh, essentially. So I believe I got that right. Anyway, they've got all sorts of trouble. And the line, did you notice the line yesterday after all that? That's what happened to the line. It went from 17 to 23, correct? Yeah, I mean, I saw it open at 23, but maybe you saw it differently. I, I, I don't know. Dave, th- th- just to circle back, you were talking about Roberson and the month and the big picture and a couple ways to look at it. Don't you think it's more damning that James is saying this after a bye week when obviously – Roberson probably got a long look at practice last week. And right. He still is not ready to say, this is the guy, you know, you know, I feel comfortable with Taquan Roberson. I think we can win. We can win games with him if we need to. I'm not going to name a starter, but to me, it's a non-issue as he's our backup quarterback. He didn't say that. Yeah. The, the, the exact words were somewhat close. Yes. The comp, the, the competition between Veyu and Roberson compared to August when he named Roberson, the clear number two. Yes. Um, there's not a vote, vote of confidence. And especially if you consider that that Clifford could come back at some point, if this third stringer who was never, uh, let's the fourth stringer, essentially, who was never in the picture until now is suddenly in the picture. Yeah, that's an indictment of take one Roberson. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, you know, you knew he wasn't going to say much about Sean and that's, that's standard protocol for James on just about any injury. But, you know, lately late, I think Frank Badani asked him about his mood and what he's doing. And James said, he's living in the, uh, in the football building, watching film, getting treatment all the time. And uh, I just, it just sounds like, you know, I think that if we're going to guess right on the ribs, it must be, it must, he must be in a lot of pain and there must be an issue that's preventing him from getting back on the field. So yeah, it, sound, it sounds like crack ribs. And, and it just, you know, how much better is he going to be in a week for Ohio state? If he's, if he's not really going to get any reps in practice this week, or maybe do they say, look, he's got, we know what we have in him. We're just going to rest him. And hopefully next Tuesday, whatever's bothering him is going to be, it's going to be negligible. And we're just going to go from there. Yeah. The exact wording for those who have not heard from Franklin is, 
He's doing everything he can to get back <laughs> doing all the right things. You know, it was a lot of what you'd expect and very vague. Anyway, I think it's a it's it's got to be a very touchy, strange thing to have to game for the staff if they think that Clifford possibly could come back in Columbus. Right. Uh, and only they know. I'm not even sure they know. That's the whole thing. Plus, you've got. You've got running back trouble with uh, Ford and Lovett banged up. So now uh, not only Keziah Holmes, but Vanover is getting more running back reps. Is that what I heard? Correct? I don't know that. I think is I mean Vanover is a defensive tackle. Is, is that's who you're talking about? I think it's Holmes. Is Kane healthy? I don't know. Kevon Lee. I feel like they still have three if they need three. But Kane has looked so just not himself since the Auburn game, or maybe even before that, that I don't know what James has to do to give Kevon Lee 15 carries in a game, but he's not ready. He's not ready to do it. I think if Lovett's healthy, he's definitely going to be back in the mix. But yeah, this running, I, this running back rotation thing, it just hasn't, it worked in 2019 because Journey Brown in the final five weeks of the season grabbed the job by the throat and perform like an NFL caliber back. And I, maybe they thought that was going to happen, or maybe they didn't, but it's it's just not happening. This well, who, who's who's behind Holmes? Because I almost took that. He, he, he mentioned Vanover in the context of the running backs and then said something about getting his weight down. He, yeah, you know, he's a 275-pound defensive tackler. I thought maybe <laughs> going to run him as, as the, the fridge if he could get down to 260 that. or something, you know? I, I don't know if. If we see that, I think the season might be lost, Dave. But uh, um, yeah, right. I guess the other thing, if you're James, is, you know, this Sean Clifford's been here for a while. And I think that the plan was for him to exit stage left after this season. But there's also a possibility that if they're not that wild about Roberson and they don't know what they have in Bayou, maybe they want to at least take a longer look at Bayou because all three quarterbacks could be gone next year. You just don't know. It's a very muddied QB picture. They have a, they're expected to get a really, a couple of really good quarterbacks in, but they're freshmen and they, they have not signed yet, but I could see this position becoming uh really, really messy uh, in the next month or so. If you don't see Clifford and you don't really feel good about the young quarterback or the third year quarterback. Well, the head coach could be gone after this year, too. You know? <laughs> and that also might explain. It, it might not be his problem, right? He could pull a bilemma. He could just say, hey, it's not my problem. These, I'm, I'm going to take some other guys and go someplace else. Well, he was, he was asked about not regarding not having a viable backup quarterback and yeah. through the portal. And I, I, gave him a, a, I gave him a pass on that, too, because sometimes – like I tried to explain to people after I tried to tell some people after the Iowa game <laughs> that, you know, it, it was kind of the way he says that, that for instance, Anthony Russo was welcomed aboard at Michigan state because he thought he was going to be the starter, but they, they put him up against Peyton Thorne and um, Peyton Thorne won the job. You can't be the starter then you're not going to, you're not going to transfer. If you don't think you can be the starter, you're not going to transfer. And that's, that's a touchy situation. You can't have like a veteran entrenched starter like Sean Clifford and even try to BS the guy you're trying to get in that, Hey, you can be the starter. They they know better. (laughs) They know better. So it's a touchy situation with the way the portal is. 
Anthony Russo is now like a really viable backup for Michigan State. If Thorne gets hurt, they've got a guy who's ready to play. He played a lot at Temple. Uh, so it, it's hard. Uh, the way he said it, Franklin said that um, they try to under-promise and over-deliver as yep. far as portal transfers and potential even recruits who want to be guaranteed a starting job. And he can't see doing that. He says we try to under-promise and over-deliver on that. But, I mean, you have to be in a situation where you have a starter but not a clear-cut starter. And that's the way it is right now. And if you've got a guy who's been there and is entrenched, even if in in Clifford's situation he was battling Will Levis, look, the guy's a lot of got a lot of experience. It's not. It wasn't that kind of situation where they could they could legitimately tell a really good potential transfer. Hey, you could be the starter. They didn't have that option, uh, or they I think they would have delivered on it. They've been able to recruit really really well and including in other places in the portal. I think I think Lovett was a great a great get. Ebikiti was a great get. But quarterback's a different thing, man. It's it's hard. It's gotta be hard in this day and age for for, for you to just acquire a viable backup quarterback. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Curaleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. It's the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Penn Life Penn State podcast. Dave Jones and Bob Flounders. Reacting to James Franklin's Tuesday news conference, we're gonna we're gonna look a little bit closer at the Illinois game a little later in the week. I have two things I wanted to ask you about, Dave. The, not the only significant injury uh, is Sean Clifford. PJ Mustafer is done for the year. Uh, lower, it's definitely they, they don't say what it was. It looked to me like it was his his left leg, but it was a lower lower body injury. He was on crutches the second half of the Iowa game. Got hurt early in the game. And another transfer portal guy, Derek Tangelo of Duke's going to be called upon to play more. Devon Ellis, a young player, is going to be called on to play more. Kaziah Izzard, who hasn't done much, is going to have to play more. But I can, this is, you know, this is a position that's a little tricky for them because PJ was having a very good year. And when you don't play a lot of guys with PJ Mustaver uh, healthy, when you lose him, so what are you supposed to do against the Ohio State offensive line? And the Michigan offensive line, you said Bilem is not happy. is not happy with his offensive line, but it's a veteran group that should at least know what they're doing a little bit. I, it's a, I think it's a cause for concern if you can't hold down the middle of the defensive line and free up those linebackers to make plays and make tackles. Dave, I think the Mustafer injury, the depth behind him, it's it's got to be a little concerning. I think for Penn State. Yeah, and they always already lost Adisa Isaac before the yep. season. That hurt their depth. Akeem Beeman. Yeah. Yeah. And Akeem Beeman. So they, I got to give Phil Steele credit before the season. He thought this was going to be the number two defensive line in the big 10. And really it has been, (laughs) he was right. And I don't know that you could, could have seen that or anticipated that without knowing an awful lot about the depth, but now we're getting to a point where, you know, Mustafa was also by all accounts, a real team leader in that too. Yeah. A tough guy, 
who was an inspirational guy. Ellie's seemed to hurt his left forearm accidentally um, in the in, right. It was the believing it was the second quarter. So he, even he might not be full go. Uh, he played the rest of the game. He came back and played. That was one of the, the, the injured Penn State players that Iowa fans booed off the field. Everyone's banged up this time of year. But the thing about Ohio State that's true about nobody else is they've got these recruits stacked like cordwood who <laughs> can step in and yeah. just based on athletic ability be viable. They might not be great as far as knowing exactly where to go, where they should be on, on each play. Um, to your point, I believe your question was, was about um, Jacob. How, yeah. Yeah. How, how well Jacobs has done this season. And Franklin was talking about how, athletically he was fine all along but now he's really learned yeah. where to be the plays he needs to make as opposed to the ones he doesn't need to make in his position uh that's true of all the defensive positions because you have to be yeah. gap sensitive you have to be gap attentive and any nose tackle any defensive tackle has to take up space you can't be looking to make plays all the time and that's what young guys are constantly doing they want to make they want to stand out defensive tackle is not a place for that so there's going to be a learning curve even certainly after ellie's who ellie's played really well didn't you think in that game Yes, he hung in there. He wasn't 100%. He came back. I think he played a little bit banged up. Uh, you're right. It was looked like his left arm. I don't know what they did to get him back on the field, but he, was, he looked like he was in a little bit of pain. I think he's a guy that they really like. Keziah Izzard, I think, is going to have to really come to the front. But there's two two other names I want to bring up at defensive tackle that have got Penn State in this uh, situation. Fred Hansard, actually a couple years ago, was in the defensive tackle rotation. He tore up a knee. And he's a big guy. Sometimes I think when you tear up a knee, it affects the rehab and the comeback a little bit more trying to get back. But he hasn't really done much the last two years. And Dave, if you remember, Penn State, you know, last year, one of their starting defensive tackles was Antonio Shelton. Well, he transferred to Florida this year. I mean, just having him back, uh, if he had played his final year at Penn State, I think James uh, John Scott Jr., the defensive line coach, and Brent probably would feel a little bit better about their death, but he's in the SEC now. I don't know why he left, but it's it's really a series of uh, unfortunate events uh, that have led Penn State to really be uh, deficient at defensive tackle. I would say proven defensive tackles. Yeah, good. No, no Shelton, Hakeem Beeman, you know, all the, and they're just, they just have a lot of, they're going to be seeing some pretty good offensive lines the second half of the season. So we'll have to wait and see. They were, they were getting pushed and they were disruptive with four, which hasn't yeah. always been true the last few years with, with the original group, even without Isaac, the, 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 the moment yeah. they started playing, they were they were a problem to deal with. And when you can get pressure and push, push in the running game, pressure in the passing game with four, all of a sudden Brent Pry has a lot of options that he didn't have before, especially with the, all the, these great linebacker kids that he has right now. Yeah. He can do all sorts of stuff. Now they run the risk of turning into like an Iowa's defensive line where, where Phil Parker has constantly – has to, to run tricks and schemes and run fifth guys, especially in pass in, in, in the pass rush where he can't get any pressure with four. He remember the, for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the Penn state game, 
he wasn't getting any pressure on Clifford at all. And they were picking him apart. And finally he ran Jack Campbell and delayed blitz at Clifford. And that changed the whole game. Um, that's yeah. what he's had to do. And that's what Pry is facing where we, we returned to last year and the year before where they couldn't get pressure with four because the depth issue is just getting bad in the defensive front. I'm glad you mentioned Iowa. That was my, my next thing for you. I know Penn state fans enjoyed their Saturday because Iowa got, but did they really, did they really, was that more, do you think that was more satisfying or frustrating for them? I think initially, I think initially because of the Ferentz comments, I think it was satisfying, but I also get the frustrating take, but I guess my question, Dave is having, I watched, I think every snap of that game, and it wasn't even as close as the final score. What in the world is going on out in the Big Ten West? Because it just seems like everyone, everyone is vulnerable. Maybe uh, on any given, you know, any given game day, you just don't know what you just don't know what to expect from Saturday to Saturday out there. I mean, Iowa was asking for it a couple of weeks ago at home. They were down to some team they were a heavy favorite again. I think it might have, might even have been an FCS team. I can't remember who it was, but they were down at halftime. No turnovers, Dave. It was, it was, it was Colorado State. Yeah, but I mean, no turnovers, Dave, and they're a different team. Yeah, and, and they, they lost Riley Moss. But do you think Riley Moss would have changed that Purdue game? I mean, I read a tweet. I won't say who tweeted it out because I like the guy, but I just think he's, he's kind of a national guy and he can't have his finger on the pulse of this league. Like, yeah. like, like we do really Moss isn't changing that game. He's, he's not going to, he's not going to cover David Bell. He's not. No one, no one was covering David Bell in that game. It was unbelievable. Their best cover corner isn't Riley Moss. He's kind of a thief. But, yeah. but Matt Hankins is their best cover corner. And David Bell's been destroying Iowa for three yes. seasons now. Yes. I mean, did you see the stat? Uh, Tom, I give Tom yeah. Deanhart credit. He yeah. went back uh, from Golden Black, and he went back and found – did you see David Bell's stats against Iowa? That he wasn't like changed. 600 receiving yards against him in three years. <laughs> 35 catches, 570 yards, and five touchdowns in three games. That isn't a, a fluke. That's a trend. And yeah. Iowa did not have any anyone to do that against Jahan Dotson any more than they did against David Bell. And you're talking about, I believe, the two best wide receivers in the Big Ten. Uh, the same thing would have happened with Dotson had Clifford been in the game. They just yeah. couldn't take advantage of it. So that's the frustrating part, I think, for Penn sure. State fans. We knew what was happening at 17 to 3. Yeah. I mean, it was happening, and it was still would have happened at 17 to 10. They would yeah. have scored 35 points minimum against that team. It's a representative, tough defense, but it's not a fast defense. And a lot of their turnovers are they 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 jump routes. They play little games because they get pressure on the quarterback sometimes with their linebackers. If they don't get any pressure, man, they they can't do all those tricks. And and let's face it, I mean they they beat up Maryland, who has a young quarterback who's still learning because they were they were jumping routes and coming out of their coverage when they were reading his eyes. Sean Clifford yeah. wasn't giving them that benefit. They were talking about Talia Tungavaloa. Also, Spencer Petrus is who we thought he was or how <laughs> that saying goes. Let's not pile on Spencer Petrus, but to, to your point about the West, Oh my Woo! God. I mean, if it was, 
a different schedule, Purdue actually would be in the driver's seat in this division. Purdue. You saw their defense. Their defense yeah. is pretty damn good. They have an NFL then, defensive end. He's a really yeah. good player. That guy's George good. Carl, George Karlaftis is the kind of disruptive player. Yeah, I mean, you, I love Jack Campbell, but he's a linebacker. He can't yeah. do what a disruptive defensive end. This guy's Joey Bosa, yeah. cat caliber. Right. And, and I mean, he was going around those offensive tackles like they weren't there. They were like traffic cones. So you would normally give Purdue an edge to, to, to win, get, come out of the West, but their schedule is brutal. I mean, you talk about the, the, the way the divisional setup uh, is. Iowa has nothing but West teams from here on out at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota which now shapes up as the game of the West because Minnesota's in position. This is a team that lost to Bowling Green, mind you, Illinois, and at Nebraska. Uh, I mean, Minnesota has a, a schedule that's just about as easy, but Purdue, just through the luck of the draw, has Michigan State and at Ohio State. To, to, you know, they're probably just going to lose. They're going to lose one of those games, and they're probably going to lose both of them, which is too bad because Purdue – legitimately looks like the best team in this division now, does it not? Although they lost to they lost to Minnesota. They lost to Minnesota. So you don't know who that they barely beat they had to rally to beat Illinois 13 to 9. So let's I just we're gonna have to close this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Dave, I just want to say this. I'm gonna close with this. You can have that first round pick on uh on Purdue's defensive line. My new hero in college football is that big defensive tackle who chugged that beer on the field when the fan <laughs> threw it. He, it was a Bud Light too. It was probably warm, but uh he just picked it up and chugged it. That guy got a great shot of him. Uh but yeah, it was uh very interesting to see Purdue just kind of mess up mess up Iowa's offense, didn't turn the ball over and what could have been for Penn State. But then Clifford gets hurt, and now we're talking about we don't even know who's going to be starting. It's got to be Roberson, I think, against Illinois to start. Yeah, they did it with three quarterbacks, too. (laughs) They're playing three quarterbacks. You know, it's just crazy. Uh, That's that's how I think overblown that Iowa defense was. Uh, They're good, but they're not as good as everyone was making them out to be. Yeah, so against Illinois, they they can hope to muck through this game. Uh, they they really should. In in a normal situation, you might consider it an emotional valley week and a chance for a trap game. But man, I don't I don't know I don't know how you see Illinois yeah. beating Penn State unless Penn State just doesn't completely doesn't show up. All right, Davey, we'll be back a little bit later this week to preview Penn State Illinois. Talk more about. James Franklin and his quarterbacks and offer up a prediction or two. You guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed your bye week. It's time to start the second half of the season. The blue white breakdown will be right there with you guys. And we will talk some more Penn state football later in the week. This has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by Penn live.